Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Gospel chapter number 8, Luke chapter number 8, we'll find our text. And uh, I hope that you'll pray for me this morning. The Lord will help us speak to us through his word. I believe he will if we'll allow him to do so. Luke chapter number 8. And I'm going to take a text out of verse number 40 down through 48. We'll read that. Then I want to back up and I want to walk through the entire chapter. I'm not going to preach the whole chapter. I just want to walk through it. If you've already seen right before chapter number 9, you realize, oh no, there is 56 verses in this whole chapter. So don't worry, we ain't preaching verse by verse, and be thankful we're not preaching Psalm 119 this morning. Amen. But I just want to quickly walk through, because we need to understand the entirety of this chapter. We need to understand what all is truly taking place, or more so what has taken place, what is taking place and what's going to take place. We could just read a few verses and maybe grasp it, but if you'll bear with me, we'll walk through it all quickly and get a hold of the entirety of the chapter. The Bible says this in verse 40, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler in the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. She came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou who touched me? Jesus said, Well, somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling. Falling down before him, she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. Jesus said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Father, I pray that you would help us now for just a moment. Lord, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you would help us today through the preaching of the Word of God. I know it won't be of my words that would be of any help. But, Lord, I do ask and pray humbly before you that you would use me as your vessel and the instrument to relay the sound that you have for your people. And for that, we would say thank you. And, Lord, we ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And for Jesus' sake, we pray it. Amen and amen. As we read our text, we realize that Jesus is busy at work. He is doing what Jesus does. It doesn't take us long to realize that in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus is always doing something for others. Matter of fact, I believe within my heart 
the entire ministry of the Lord Jesus while he's here on this earth from the age of 30 to 33 years old. His ministry is about helping others. Every time he had the opportunity, he is doing something that others may reap the benefits of what he has all the way to Galgotha's Hill, all the way to the cross of Calvary. Jesus' ministry has been for others. And even as he hung upon that tree, he cried out to his Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was about others. Amen. And when he drew his last breath, he did it for you and I this morning. Amen. From the moment that he gave up the ghost on Calvary's Hill from the day that he showed up at a wedding in Cana. His ministry was about helping others. It's all about helping others. Never one time did Jesus do something for his benefit. If there was ever any glory mentioned in what he was doing, Jesus would say this, it is for the glory of the Father. He never wanted someone to look at him and say, look what Jesus did, amen. But that's mine and your job this morning, amen. That ain't part of the sermon, but can I take a time out and say his job was not to point to himself, amen. But it's my job to tell others about how good God is. His ministry was about giving to me and my my ministry is about giving to him, amen, that he may be glorified through our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. His ministry is about helping him. Boy, if I could just wrap it up quickly this morning, I'll just tell you plainly, Jesus is busy. His days are full helping others, ministering, preaching, teaching, miracles being given, blind, receiving their sight, lame, getting up and walking. And throughout all the Gospels, every time Jesus is found, he's doing something. But for some reason, we have landed in Luke chapter number 8 this morning. And of all the miracles Jesus has done, this is probably one of the busiest moments that we ever find the Lord Jesus here in Luke's Gospel chapter 8. You say, what all is Jesus doing? Well, if he would have only done what we just read, that would have been enough. But this is the end of what Jesus has got to for this chapter. This is the end of the day. But if you start in the beginning of the chapter, I believe it's verse number 5, we find the famous sermon that the Lord Jesus preaches on the seed and the sower. This is probably the more lengthy of sermons that Jesus ever preached as he is likening that seed to the Word of God, amen, and that ground, amen, as the soul of man and preparing and and planting and reaping a harvest. And Jesus, from verse 5 all the way to 18, preaches one of the best sermons that you'd ever hear. And boy, I don't know about all the preachers in this building. I don't know about Brother Barker, but my wife, her, her daddy, my father-in-law, he builds, he does construction for a living, builds barns and different things. And every now and then, maybe during the holidays when traveling is slow for evangelism or back in COVID time when we had a bunch of cancellations, I went, got my old tool belt, put it back on and climbed on them barns, started putting roofs on them things, started digging posts, uh, amen, and just working 
like I used to work. Amen. Felt good. Amen. I tell you something, Brother Jonathan, I could put a roof on a barn from 7 in the morning till about 3.30 or 4 o'clock that afternoon. You talk about sweating. You talk about just working your fingers to the bone. Amen. Climbing all over them floor of them uh, rafters and them uh, purlins all over that barn. By the time I got home, eat me something, go to bed, I'd wake up the next morning. I was ready to go again. But you let me preach two sermons on Sunday. I can't explain it, but it's Sunday morning preaching, Sunday night preaching, you ain't going to talk to me till about Tuesday afternoon. Huh? I don't, like, I don't necessarily need a nap every day of my life, although they think preachers, you know, they, all they do is, you know, eat, sleep, golf, and preach. That would be amazing. I mean, that would be a life. I would love it, to be honest with you. You throw coon hunting in the evening time in that mix, amen, and sign me up. Whew, I felt the Spirit of God right there. You let me preach Sunday morning? Amen. About 2 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. I'm telling you right now, my wife's driving home today. Just from preaching this morning, I'm going to be zapped. And a lot of times it's back to back. Sometimes every, every now and then we'll find places that we go that they have two sermons or two services on Sunday morning. Got to preach twice on Sunday morning. <laughs> you talked about needing a Red Bull. One cup of coffee ain't cutting that trip. Amen. Preach twice on Sunday morning. I'm through. I'm done. I just exhausted. And if Jesus in Luke chapter number 5 would have preached a sermon, verse 5 through 18, if he would have took his text, done his sermon, and said, boys, I'm tired. I need the rest. I just need to go find somewhere and get alone. I would have been completely fine with that. But Jesus said, no, we've still got something to do. Now let's go to the other side. We have found him preaching a sermon. And now he sends the disciples to the other side. Let's go. We got more stuff to do, boys. All of a sudden, they're out there in the middle of that water, and a storm rises up. Amen. And them old boys, they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And Jesus wakes up out of his sleep, steps on the stern of that boat, and he looks out there amongst that stormy waters, and he commands peace to be still, and he calms the wind, and he calms the waves. Amen. And we find that not only can he preach a sermon, but now he can part the storm. Amen. You say, what's he doing? He's showing just how busy he can get. <laughs> He's out there standing at the stern of that boat commanding peace in that midst of that storm all of a sudden way up on the mountainside somewhere. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! There's a little old boy that is being tormented on the inside. Amen! Day and night devils have possessed this young man's body and they are tearing him from the inside out. And that young boy looks across that mountain scene and he sees a man standing on a boat with his hands waved up and he sees as the winds lay down and the waves get still and that old boy says boy if he can do that for their storm on the outside I wonder what he can do for the storm that's on the inside of me and he ran and met Jesus and Jesus helped him Jesus has preached a sermon he has parted a storm and now he's Proclaiming victory over spirits. <laughs> Set that young man free. He's showing that he is busy. Then we find ourselves back in our text. And now he's fixing to do something probably the most miraculous of all. 
in Luke chapter number 8. He's fixing to prove himself as Savior. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Woo, glory, hallelujah. I'm glad that even though he was busy, he wasn't too busy to one more time do one more thing that showed, hey, I, I'm more than just the peace speaker over the waves and the wind. I'm more than capable of just casting out devils. I'm more than capable of just preaching a sermon every now and then. He said, but let me walk out here a little further and let me show you who I really am. You say, how does he do it? I'm going to preach my sermon backwards for you. Hey, Amen. I'm going to give you all my points, then I'll come back and preach them. He's fixing to prove himself as Savior through restoration. Anybody thankful for the restoring power of the Lord Jesus? And he's fixing to prove himself through redemption. Ain't you glad that he is a redeeming Savior? And he's fixing to prove himself through resurrection. Ain't you glad? Amen. That when he hung upon Calvary's hill and he cried, it is finished. And they laid him in that borrowed tomb of Joseph Arimathea. Amen. That ain't where he stayed. He's not there anymore. But three days later, he rose up from the grave victorious over death hell and the grave this morning and we serve a risen Savior today. Hallelujah. How did he do it? Well, in our text, he's on his way to help this man by the name of Jairus. But as he is going to Jairus's house, this old girl intervenes on what God or interrupts what God is doing. As he is heading to do one miracle, she stops him that he may do another. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and say it to you like this. Not only is Jesus busy, but he's busy while he's being busy. He's on his way to do one thing, and somebody stopped him and asked him to do another. <laughs> She's over there. The Bible tells us that she has this specific disease, and that when she had spent all that she had, after 12 years, she had spent all her savings. She's seen all the doctors. She's exhausted all of her means. But from somewhere down the road, she has heard that there is a man named Jesus, and that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Amen. And I just wonder, maybe she ran into boy with a bed on his shoulders and said why in the world are you carrying that bed around on your shoulder he said all I know is there was a man named Jesus told me to rise take up thy bed and walk amen and he said I've been carrying this bed ever since I met him maybe she's seen an old boy amen while he's out there walking around she said you look awful familiar but you used to have one of them red and white canes out there in front of your feet so you didn't run into no walls or you didn't run into no Buddy, she said, I thought you was the blind man of town. He said, that's who I used to be. But I met a man named Jesus. Amen. And he touched my blinded eyes. And he opened them up. And I can see a Jesus changed my life. She said, well, I ain't got no money. He said, it didn't cost me nothing. She said, I ain't got no family, no friends. I've exhausted friendships, relationships. I got nobody. He said, you're the perfect fit for somebody like him. Oh, yeah. exactly right. And she heard 
Jesus is headed to the preacher's house. Y'all come watch. He's fixing to do something amazing. And she said, well, I'm not even supposed to be around nobody. I've been told don't come back to this store. I've been told don't come stand out in front of here. I've been told don't come around. And she said, but I know what I'll do. I'll get as low as I can possibly get. And I'm going to crawl into the presence of the Lord Jesus. And if I could just reach out and touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. Oh, my. You talk about some faith. You see, everybody that has ever accepted or received anything from the Lord Jesus up to this point, you remember how Jesus typically gives his miracles? Oftentimes or sometimes, rather, you could find him speaking a miracle to someone. But more times than not, the way someone received their miracle, those blinded eyes, you know how? He touched them. Huh? Simon Peter's mother-in-law sick over there, and he's like, uh, Lord, I know, you know you're busy and everything, but my, my mother-in-law, she needs your help. Can you come over and help her? You know what Jesus did? He went over and he touched her. She was made whole. And this old girl, she's heard that Jesus is in the healing business because he's got power in his touch. But when it came her turn, she didn't say, I need him to touch me. She said, if I can just touch him. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm I have to enjoy my own preaching. I'm going to like it so good. Amen. You sign my Bible. Amen. I know that there is power in the touch of the Lord Jesus. But the Lord Jesus allowed some old girl that was desperate and hopeless and helpless to get involved in the Scripture. Amen. And Luke put her down. And the other gospel writers put her down. And she made a big, bold statement of faith. And that statement was, he ain't the one that's got to be doing the touching. But if you'll have enough faith about you, and if you can just get to where he is, and if you can reach out and touch him, you'll get what you need. There's power in his touch, but there's power in you doing the touching. Matter of fact, she didn't even say, if I could just touch him. What she said was, if I could just touch the hem of him. The border of his garment. Whew, glory, where you want the new door at for this building? I'm fixing to run slap through a wall right now. Huh? He ain't got to touch me. And I ain't got to touch him. But as long as I, I can touch something that's a touch of him, then he'll touch me back through whatever I touched. What she was saying is this. If you'll just have enough faith, just get as close as you can, and that'll be good enough for him. Woo, glory, hallelujah. Matter of fact, Jesus liked it so good that with her faith she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, the hem of him, if you will, that when she got up there and she touched that piece of his garment, he stopped the possession, he stopped the movement, he stopped the entourage to Jairus' house, and he didn't ask who touched my garment. He didn't ask who touched my hem. But what Jesus felt when she touched something that was touching him, he stopped and he said who touched me you know what Jesus said good enough 
<laughs> close, close enough. He wasn't looking for the physical touch. He was not looking for that feeling of her hand touching him somewhere. But what he was looking for was the faith that she obtained, uh, that believing that if I can get to where he is, uh, then he can do for me what no one else has ever done. Hallelujah. That's why they write songs about it. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. I'm going to write a song. I touched the garment. I touched his garment. I touched the hem of him. Amen. <laughs> Gaither probably wouldn't like that one as good. But, you know, I'm working on song and stuff. You know, pray for me. You say, what are you saying, Brother Jared? I don't know where you are. You might not feel like he's coming to your house. You feel like maybe you're just watching him cross by in a distance. But if you'll just muster up enough faith this morning, and you'll say, if I could just get to where he is, and if I could just reach out and touch him, I might not even be able to reach out and get close enough to touch him, but if I could just reach out and touch something that's touching him. She found her restoration. I ain't going to take time to preach all of it. He said, by faith I made thee whole. Full. I'm glad the Lord Jesus, here's my point, and I'll say it and I'll go to the next one. I'm glad he don't work like I do when it comes to fixing things. I like a hammer and a good roll of duct tape. Can I get a witness, man? That ain't how Jesus works. But when Jesus uses this word whole, it's always in the sense at what he fixed was never a problem to begin with. He takes it back to the originality. He makes it work at 100% perfection. He's in the restoration business. I'm going to give you something on the redemption and then we'll go to our last one. Notice what he said. He said, somebody had touched me. I perceive virtue has gone out. Bible said, and the woman saw that she was hid. She came trembling, falling down before him, and she declared, and it was me. I was the one that touched you. And for what manner she touched him, what cause she touched him, and how. I like how she talks about it. She was like, it was me. I did it. Here's why. And guess what happened? I mean, that's typical Karen right there. I mean, she's got all the information in one verse. I did it, here's why I did it, but let me tell you, now that I did do it, let me tell you what he did for me. Yeah. Uh, she went from, hello, my name is so-and-so, to telling you all the information, amen. Testimony service in one verse. But notice this, this is interesting, verse number 48. And he said unto her, daughter be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. Let me ask you something, 12 years this poor lady has been through this. Dealing with it, a non-stop battle. And if their town was anything like the town of Mount Airy, <laughs> no, you know, and it's not a real big town, is it? You probably know a lot of people. You can't go to Dollar General, or as we like to call it in South Carolina, Dollar Gentral. <laughs> you can't go to the DG Mall and not see somebody you know. huh? You ain't going to Walmart and run into somebody. How many times you ever pulled up Dollar General or Walmart and you went, oh no, there they are. <laughs> Probably when you see the pastor. 
Oh, I'm a pastor's kid, so I love that kind of stuff. You know, I remember being a kid, walking with dad in the store, and you'd see somebody come around the corner, and they're like, oh, <laughs> Y'all don't do that up here, do you? This old girl, 12 years, lost all her money. The Bible said spent all her living. She broke. Every banker in town knows her. They have denied, denied. Can I borrow? No. You've borrowed all you can. Well, I'm going down to the next bank. Go see them. They're going to deny you too. you got a bad name for yourself. What about my friend? I ain't got no friend. Hurt them. Somebody like that makes a big name for themselves. And I ain't trying to point nobody out in your town, or especially in your church. But truthfully, we might all know somebody that has been in a situation where life has dealt them those types of hands. And they have sunk themselves lower and lower and lower. And in her situation, when she starts pressing through the crowd, brother, I just got to believe that somebody looked down and went, oh, what is she doing here? And they knew who it was. Come on, kids, come on. Don't, don't get around her. All of a sudden, she reaches out. And immediately... She was healed, restored, made whole. You know, I just have to believe that the whole time the Lord Jesus, he, he knows, he knows it all. I mean, he's all knowing. I think he walked around like this, like, come on. Thank you. Whew. Right side of the road, right time, right place. And then he was like, oh no. Who touched me? <laughs> I have a lot of time driving, okay? Y'all forgive me. You play this stuff out in your mind. You do that with Joan in the well, you'll be in the belly somewhere for some three days. <laughs> Who touched me? Like I don't know. Me. It was me. <sighs> the crowd, the floor clears. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't know why. Through the Gospels, her story is given several times. But we never knew her name. I believe 12 years that bad, exhausted the funds, exhausted her means. They knew who she was. They knew her name. How come we can't know her? I want to know who it is. When I get to heaven, I'll be like, what's your name? <laughs> but here's why I believe we didn't get her name. Because when Jesus, oh, who touched me? He turned around. And if he would have called her by her name, that would not have been very impressive to everybody standing around. Because everybody knew her name. But what they did not expect him to say, when he turned around, he said, your name's not important. But I'll tell you what's more important than your name it's your title. And he turned around and he said, Daughter. Daughter, does he know who that is? Oh, yeah, he knows who that is. 
And that's the kind of people that he likes to take in, amen, and accept them as children in the family of God, amen. It wasn't important if her name's Karen, amen, or Julie, amen. I hope there's nobody named Karen or Julie in here this morning. I hope y'all's name ain't that, amen. But what he was saying, that's not important. But what it is important for y'all to know is that she walked up here with faith, and the Word of God said to them gave he power to become the sons or the daughters of God. Amen. My name ain't important this morning, but I'm glad to know you can call me your brother. Amen. Thanks be unto God. She got in the family when she got redeemed. Hallelujah. All the while, he's busy. She just happened to get in on what Jesus was already going to do. Now we got to go back to Jerry's. His part of the story. Say what had happened. Jesus was called for. I need you to come. This man by the name of Jairus. He's a ruler in the synagogue. If you'll allow me to put it this way. In town. He's the preacher. He pastors down there. At the first Baptist church. He. He's known by everybody. He has spent his days, that culture, that time. Your pastor knows more about this Jewish history stuff, those days. But if I remember correctly what I've studied, he just didn't go Sunday, Sunday morning, Wednesday night. He went every day to that synagogue. He spent his life going to God's house. But he's found himself in a situation. Something about this story connects in my heart because it mentions his daughter. I've got two little girls, six and four. And I'm sure there's going to be little things and bumps in the roads and storms that just tear my heart apart. But in likening my life, my family's life in here, his daughter's sick. Let me tell you the least favorite thing that I have to deal with in my life right now concerning my children. I hate seeing my children sick. I mean, my kids normally are knocking the lamps over. They're coloring on the walls. They're breaking stuff. They're costing me all kind of money. Does anybody else have these kids or am I alone? Drives me crazy. But you let them get sick and they just sit there on the couch like this. Lips start getting dried out. Eyes get droopy. I mean, I'm thinking, God, give it to me. I don't want to see my children sick. I, mean, I remember one time Ella was a little baby, our oldest. She was a little baby. And, I mean, she, she had that croup, couldn't breathe, and I was holding her there on the couch, and I was holding my hand on her back, and I would feel her as she <gasps> take those big, deep breaths in. Exhale, and it was like all she could do. <gasps> I mean, you could hear it just rattling through her system. And as I'm paying attention, I would start counting the time in between those breaths. Brother John, maybe it was overreaction. You know, I don't know. I started counting. I kept counting. I kept counting. I kept counting. I snatched her up and I looked at me. And I'm blowing in her face. And she's still not taking those breaths in. I mean, I'm just redneck, so y'all forgive me. This may be funny or may be serious. I don't know. I ran to the freezer, opened the freezer door, and stuck her head in the freezer. 
I said, my mama told me to do, okay? If I'm wrong, paramedics, you correct me later. EMT, whatever you are, doctor. That's all I knew to do. I told Jennifer, I said, get in the car. She said, where are we going? I said, the emergency room. She said, why? I said, she's not breathing. We got to, I mean, I, I couldn't do nothing. I can't fix that. That's out of my control. I've got to get her to somebody who knows how to help. And the most desperate time as a parent is when we can't do nothing for our children. If I was able to, if it, it was something that I could handle, if it was something that my own means could fix the situation, there's not a father in here that would disagree with me. Amen. I would swim any water. I would cross any mountains. And if it took it, I would march to the gates of hell and fight the devil himself over my babies. I'd give my life for them. But when I can't do nothing, what am I supposed to do? And Jerry says, I can't do nothing. Money can't buy it. Daddy's strength can't fix it. My wisdom is not a place that will play a role here. I need somebody that will help. Please help. He spent his days going to God's house. But on the day that matters became out of his control, he went to where Jesus was. And he said, Jesus, I spend my day, every day, my life going to your house. But today, I need you to come to my house. Let me tell you something. There's a big difference in us coming and punching our time clock Sunday morning. Our time sheet Sunday night. I'm thankful for faithfulness, and you ought to be. Amen. If he says we're going to have revival, ought to be here, cancel whatever, make the football, the baseball coach, make them all mad. Amen. we got to go to God's house. There is something to be said about being faithful at the house of God. But if you want to see his power, and if you want to feel his presence in a way that you've never experienced in your life, take it to the next step, and not just you going to his house, but after you get up out of that altar, say, Come on, women, we got somewhere to go. I've got a spot for you at my table. I've got a spot for you at my house. Here's the keys to my door. Amen, there's a spot in my living room. I I want to be more than just somebody that goes to where God is. But I want God to come to where I am. And Jairus found out that's the answer is to get God in the house. Thank you, thank you. You can go back. I'm not sending Jesus back. I'm just sending him back. I think he would have stood there the whole time. That would have been fine too. Amen. Whoever's playing, you come on back to the piano if you don't mind. He's busy. You ever seen a man so busy in your life? 100% man couldn't do what Jesus has done in Luke chapter number 8. I cannot exert myself. I cannot give myself that way. But he's so much more than just 100% man. 100% God. God the Son. The Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world. And I believe, if for nothing else, that Jesus put all of these instances of how much He can do for one reason. To prove Yeah, I'm busy, but I'm not too busy. I'm busy, but I'm not too busy for you. He's not too busy for me. You know, this crowd, 
gathered around Jairus' house, they thought they caught him. They thought they got him. They got too busy. The Bible says that they came while he was speaking from the ruler's synagogue's house, saying, Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. You know what they're saying? Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. He's already done too much. She's gone. Leave him alone. Jesus heard it. He answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only. She shall be made whole. The Bible says this in verse number 53 that, and they laughed him to scorn, knowing. Are you kidding me? The preacher's daughter has just died. And nobody's there to give flowers. Nobody's there to give their condolences. Nobody's there to say, Preacher, if you need anything, you know who to call. But instead, a multitude gathered with their hands folded and their arms crossed. They said, We told you. He can't do it all. We told you. He might can... Preach a sermon. He might can part the storm. He might can prove himself. But there's one thing he can't do. He can't do all of it at the same time. He can't do it all of it in the same day. And the Lord Jesus looked at that scorning crowd and that mocking crowd. And amen, I believe with, fire, with eyes of fire, he looked at them, Brother Parker, and he said, get out of here, I've got something to do. You can scorn, you can laugh if you want to, but he has asked me to do something that only I can do, and I've not come this far to let him down. Matters may have got worse, the situation may have got worse, and it looks like there is no hope. But can I remind you that as long as Jesus is in that house, there is something that is fixing a house and changes on the way. He kicked them all out and he said, made her eyes. And life came back into that girl. I've tried to read this and preach this to you just to let you know. Oh, he's a busy God. Matter of fact, here we are, Sunday morning, October 21st, 2022. 11 o'clock, is that right? What did I say? Close enough. I'm homeschooled, man. Huh? I got like seven jokes that just went, has nothing to do with my sermon. August 21st, 22. 11 o'clock. We're, we're at the beginning stage of a Sunday morning here in America. We are starting it off, if you will. Our church starts at 1030. Matter of fact, they probably already have walked through their invitation. Probably maybe dismissed by now. And already today, at our church alone, altars have been filled. And people have called on the name of God and asked Him, Help! Help! Lord, it's my family. It's my home. I need your help. And maybe in a minute, on these altars, there'll be some more people that say, God, help. I need your help this morning. And on this very day, the ears of God are going to be filled with pleading and praying and begging from His children that need Him to do something 
all the way from here to California all day altars will be filled there's going to be saints of God calling on our father asking for help and before we ever got here on the other end of the world amen eight hours ahead of us our friends in Albania there's been some people praying help our missionaries in Africa there's been some people crying out help God help and I'm trying to let you know amen that today God's ear will be busy but just like David said I called unto the Lord and inclined his ear unto me he may be busy but he's not too busy for you amen let's add one more prayer let's have one more call out to him he's not too busy for you today whatever your burden is he wants to hear about it he wants to take it whatever is troubling you He wants you to tell him all about it. Whatever you're trying to plead unto the Father, he wants to hear your cry, Mama. He wants to hear your problems, Daddy. And he wants to know about your home and your situations. And he wants to hear about the ones that need saved. He might be busy, but he's not too busy for amazing grace. Baptist Church today. I wonder would you come and tell him today? all about it and let him show you I'm not too busy for you I'm not too busy for you we're standing all over